what? Toys and then living with a dude in Lillooet? It's like, like, no one cares about writing. It's just like, wait, what is happening? Yeah, the last two years, according to the timeline of Tori's Love Life, is literally how people live um, with this podcast. Welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. You guys, it is episode 200. I cannot believe that we have made it that far, and it is in large part thanks to you guys. You've helped me grow an audience that is super loyal and loves to spread the word and to offer suggestions for guests and to a huge amount of you, 200 now, to share your story so openly and honestly. And we've heard from people that didn't finish and people that were at the back and people that were at the front and the best in the world and everything in between. And it's been so much fun. So a huge thank you to everybody who's helped kind of encourage me to keep going because it's clearly still impacting a lot of people in a lot of awesome ways. And that makes me excited and that makes me want to keep going. So we will. Also, thanks to our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to us by Gooder Sunglasses. So if you have not gone to their website recently, I'm going to suggest that you go to gooder.com and check out the new pairs. We have a couple new colors and a couple new styles that I am pretty excited about. So for example, Dawn of a New Sage, Carl is my co-pilot, and my personal favorites, which I'm going to add to a cart right meow, is Lilac It Like That. And they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're polarized. And if you wear them, you will run faster. Science. How do I know that? Because if you can see where you're going, you're definitely gonna go there faster. Don't come hate on me for the fact that that's not science, but I do believe it is my strong opinion that uh, seeing where you're going will help you feel better and look good, play good, feel good. That is how it works. So check them out, gooder.com and use discount code TRW for free shipping on as many or as few as you would like to get. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a quick second to talk about the recent news about Wham! Whistler Alpine Meadows 150k Alpine race that was recently cancelled and it was a pretty big blow to our local running community and we have a lot of people that run, listen sorry, that are from the local area. So if you know about Coast Mountain Trail Series, it is put on by Gary Robbins and his team and they put a lot of work into making these races absolutely epic and Whistler is this huge amazing attraction and miles and miles of single track that he put together to make a very challenging 100 mile race that Tori ran and it was the only local 100 miler and an opportunity to, to put Canada on the map for having a really amazing race um, which is something Ellie Greenwood actually mentioned in her post about this cancellation and the reason that it cannot go on is simply because Vale Resorts fucked it up and did not pull through with clear instructions on what they needed for permits in time to open registration. Because if you're going to run a hundred mile race that difficult or a hundred K race, you need to plan ahead and register. And it is super frustrating to have this local race company that works so hard to bring the community together and put on an epic race. And that actually is really good for the Whistler economy and all of the studies show that and it's super safe 
and to just not give clear instructions on what they needed for the permit. And it wasn't that the permitting process was changed or that it was challenging, like Vale is trying to say. It was that they just weren't giving them clear instructions and they weren't giving them a timeline. And you cannot organize these things last minute and have them be safe for your runners to train properly and to commit to them. So it is really, really, really unfortunate. And I mean, Ellie, I'm just going to read a quote from her. She said, let's just say it how it is. Vale Resorts do not care for the communities they operate in. And it's absolutely true. And now, like Whistler Alpine Meadows had gone on for six years. And it was a world-class destination of stunning single-track trails. I'm just sort of briefly reading Ellie's post because I think she did a really good job. Huge frustration there and are kind of hoping that we can come together and maybe change the way things are handled so this sort of thing doesn't happen again in the future. Okay, so that's enough of my rant on that. If you want to find all of the old episodes, they're on Patreon. You can find that link by searching Trail Running Women on Patreon. Or you can find that on my Instagram at hillsport55 where you will also see videos of my child because it started out as running and now it is um, an athletic three-year-old, but equally fun to watch, let me tell you. This episode, Tori and I talk about questions, listener Q&A. They're really fun. We talk about how to improve on specific types of runs and races, about how to breathe going downhill, but I do have to make a disclaimer. This is real life. So for us to fit our schedules in, we sort of had to work around other people being in the area. Tori is in a very small place and you can hear her partner a little bit banging around, um, but just try and go with the flow, just sort of add some flavor to the episode. Usually when I have guests, we can get a time when it's really quiet, but if Tori and I were going to get together, we just couldn't do it on time any other way. So I do apologize for that. You can also hear a three-year-old singing in the background for a vast majority of the beginning, and I am sorry, but my husband was late getting home from work, and it was either cancel the podcast or just let him play happily in the background while singing and not hitting those notes all that well. Um, so try not to let it bother you and just uh, be thankful that your kid didn't throw somebody else's shoes on the ice while they were ice skating and then run into a parking lot. Please enjoy this podcast, and please, if you want to continue to help us grow, leave a rating and review, or screenshot this episode, share it in your notes, and tag me. Okay, guys, thank you so much. <laughs> it just starts with Baker singing. This is, this is now the theme song. <laughs> so, uh, we are back for a long overdue trail tips, but this one... There is going to be some baker noise for the first five minutes before my husband comes home and takes him away. Uh, but it's real life. It's real life. And we have Tori with us. Hello, Tori. Hi. Give us it's an update. An update. Oh, my gosh. It's January, so it's not really much of an update. Um, really nothing. Um, I'm going to fake ice climb this weekend because it's Lillouette's Ice Fest. Basically, I'm just going to drink beer with a bunch of climbers. And... That's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just put something together. What? Okay. So you said, when are you going to Baker next? And I said, this weekend. And you said, no, it's Ice Fest. And I was like, what is she talking about? There's so much new snow. Why do you think you just know the conditions of Baker randomly as we're chatting? But you literally oh! meant it's Ice Fest. <laughs> oh, you like thought I was like telling you the conditions on Baker? Yeah, I thought you were like, oh, it's it's an ice fest at Baker. And I was like, no, it's actually not at all. But that's not what you're 
not what you were referring to. It's literally oh, really the funny. ice fest. Wow. Yeah. Funny. Funny. Okay. So it's well, like an ice climbing festival that Danny's putting on. Um, so yeah, as the climbing mayor's wife, I will go. Yeah, that's pretty cool, the, that ice climbing stuff. Every time I look at it, I'm like, nope, uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, I don't like being cold and I don't like exposure. Actually, but I was saying to people the other day, the couple times I've gone, I actually don't mind like the motion of swinging the tool. Like swinging tools is actually kind of more fun and therapeutic in a way than rock climbing. I don't know. I don't really do either, but... <laughs> But just the I fact find... that the ice can just move on you is what I don't like. Like, yeah, it's not, I, you're just sort of on a pretend surface. Yeah, there's this Facebook page called West Coast Ice that like, I miss like, kind of, I just like get to lurk on it. And I actually really like learning about people, just hearing people talk about it, like people that have come to stay and going ice climbing with Danny. Like, I really enjoy listening to people talk about it because it's such a, it's its own thing. And so I've actually just learned a lot just being on the peripheral. <laughs> really hitting that note back there um that (laughs) that that's pretty cool and it looks like you guys are settled into old married life so that's pretty fun oh yeah go to bed really early and we get up early and wake and play wordle together (laughs) yeah you literally i'm like oh welcome welcome to my life (laughs) except for this morning baker has been awake for half an hour He's told me that his toothbrush is too warm, his toast was too big, the bath was too cold, he's super mad at me for putting water in his bed, but actually it's that he peed the bed. Refuses to believe that he did pee the bed and thinks I just soaked him in water at the night, so he spazzed at me all morning. Won't sit on the potty because he's angry at me, so I stuck him in a bath because he can't hold the pee in once he's standing in a bathtub. Uh, So it's been a really fun 30 minutes of life so far. Wow, that's a lot in 30 minutes. I thought I lived with a toddler, but that's, Danny's a bit more advanced. Just you wait. That's like a standard morning. And then you're like, sweet, well, I'm going to go into work feeling calm, cool, and collected. Is he in a, like, is he just blaming you for things? I don't understand. No, he's just three. He's just a fucking nightmare. Like, it is so much fun, the things that we do. And like, oh my God, is he skiing like a champ? It's amazing. But then equally, he wants to ruin me and my life and that's just what it is so yesterday we went skating here's a brief story we went skating public skate so just for those of you who maybe have not done this before you go take your shoes off obviously put your skates on and you go skate it was a little bit late but the skating times aren't great so we went to it anyways and we just came off the ice 15 minutes early took off his skates put him like in his clothes to go. And as we were leaving, he ran away from me and I'm carrying all of our gear. So it's quite heavy. He took three shoes from random children that were still on the ice, ran into the arena and just threw the shoes onto the ice and ran away. And I was like, Whoa. So now I'm like trying to chase the three-year-olds who does not run into the parking lot in the dark, but also like I should probably get those shoes back. But when you're alone, what are you going to do? And that's just what goes through that's crazy. That's hilarious. Um, did what? So what happened? Did you just like go make sure he didn't get hit by a car? Yeah, that's all I could yeah. do. And then we kind of went back in, and some dad had like collected the shoes, and I was like, all right. And the other parents know, right? It's not like it's new. Yeah, it's not like oh, your child's three. My child was never three. <laughs> so they just laugh at you, but I'm just like, oh my good god. Um, okay, we should move on because we got lots of questions. So sorry to rant about child life, but I mean, it's pretty. Funny. Anytime, I love listening to toddler life. 
All right, I'm just gonna read question one because we gotta get into this. And Daddy's making so much noise, more than my kid. Oh, Daddy. No, I know, um, but it's like we only have like this tiny space, so it's like. But I'm gonna keep muting myself. No, that's good. I was just uh, realized that he might be able to hear me. That's why I was chirping him. Okay, so the questions are kind of all over the place. Some of them are about the fact that we are at two hundred episodes, which is bananas, and other ones are just regular trading questions. So we're just going to go through them in kind of the order that they came in. So first of all, how about how to deal with muscle cramping? My calf muscles on my last 50K were Charlie horsing after mile 16, which was crazy. I have no idea why it happened. Maybe I went out too fast. Maybe my nutrition could have been more, but it was crazy. Sensing it was quite bad. I made the cutoff, but I was trying to manage it and it was very difficult and I couldn't get them to stop. And then she put in brackets, she did have a training, a good training block and did lots of climbing and elevation and miles and she felt great the whole time during her training i have a couple of thoughts but tori let's hear from you first i feel like the cramping thing is such a science that everyone's trying to nail down and when it happens people don't realize how bad it is until it happens to them um but i hear it's quite debilitating and so i'm sorry for colleen that this has happened to um if we're allowed to say names i the only thing the thing that comes to my mind is electrolyte like your nutrition can be fine during the time of the actual race. But if your electrolytes aren't dialed during the race, but then also before, like I really believe in front loading electrolytes, um, like the day before and just, you know, having Gatorade for your beverages, um, the day leading up, Tara Berry's a huge believer in that. You won't see her race. You won't see a day before the race without like constant Gatorade in her hand. I just, I don't know, even for like placebo effect, so I always think that cramping has to do with electrolyte loss. And so, but when this person says that their nutrition was fine, I don't know if nutrition means like calories and electrolytes or just specifically calories were timed really well. I'm not sure the details on that. There has been different studies come out that are like, okay, so this isn't a sodium thing. That just maybe is the mental side of it. And I've had kind of two scenarios where a random Charlie horse in a calf, for example. And then also a like cramp in my side where as soon as I took pickle juice shots, it released and it a hundred percent was like, Oh, okay. I'm hours into this and I don't have enough salt. I think it can be either or, and you kind of have to hit it from all angles. So yes, electrolytes, salt pills, pickle juice in a bag drop, drop bag. <laughs> I can think of that word. It was really, really helpful for me. The other part is, yeah, your training is different than racing. So if you go out for a training block and you start climbing and your calves are a bit sore, you're like, hey, I got to stretch my calves for a sec. And you stand and stretch them out and let them loosen up. And it happens. But in a race, and this has happened to me before, you're like, man, I don't really want to stop and stretch for two minutes because there's a girl literally on my tail. So you just kind of push through it and you can never give yourself that relief. So you also have to look at your pre-race routine. For me, that includes like some A535 rub stuff, which I'm imagining we have all across North America, which loosens things up. I will foam roll my calves, stretch my calves, warm up, and then do it again. If a, if the race starts on an incline, especially because that's where your calves get tight and you can't get released. So um, you can also kneel on a ball, but be like loosening them up before you go into the race. The other thing is if you tapered, they might have tightened back up because you're not doing the same amount of activity. So I foam yeah. roll my whole body before the race. 
that's a good idea i didn't even think of like the tapering part of them just like relaxing too much the other thing is is like i'm a big believer in warm-ups for 50ks and under like significant warm-ups um because 50ks depending on how competitive you want to be can be quite intense and so depending on what you're yeah depending on what you want to do on that day um but yeah warm up and then that's a good idea like loosen them up beforehand but yeah i feel like electrolytes but this person might be listening to us being like god i know i said electrolytes my electrolytes are fine i still don't know my 3k time trial warm-up i just played doubles tennis for two hours and i was like hmm and it actually was really good because it's just short bursts uh and a 3k time trial is the worst thing you'll ever do i've decided oh my gosh that sounds so painful when did when was it on last sunday friday friday Uh, yeah and it is mentally okay because you get to the second k and you're like okay i just have one more k left but also was long enough to be like well this sort of sucks (laughs) are you doing bemo half oh wow ouch ouch yeah that's very commendable good job yeah, I was like, I've been like waiting. Speaking of January, I've been like waiting for like the motivation to like actually plan something. <laughs> I don't have anything right now. Like, yeah, we're even like trips wise, we're trying to plan like a trip or just the brain is like very January brain right now. Yeah, but the fact that you don't have too, too many logistical things to work around, like enjoy the fact that you don't have to plan it early or like worry about school and kids sports. Yeah. Just take it all in while you can. Yeah, I can just like pick up and go, which is nice. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's the number one thing that's hard is to like mourn. To pick up yeah, at the grocery store and you're like, uh, the whole, the whole ordeal. Okay, question number two. Is there a proper way to breathe on the downhill? I like this question. I feel like my breath gets shallow and then I get a side ache, but I'm also trying to keep my core engaged. Am I missing something? How do I do both? So from two people who aren't very good at downhill, Dory, you go first. I was actually... I was actually listening to a podcast that had nothing to do with running the other day. It was called The Knowledge Project. And they had a big section on breathing. And like, obviously, all of us, there's a lot of research out there that talk about the benefits of proper breathing and, and even like controlled, this guy was talking about controlling a stressful breathing. That's but and then he also I've always with stomach cramps, I've always since like high school, breathed really where are you? Oh, you're behind me. Breathe really hard on the exhale. Um, so breathe through your nose and then just like, like this excessive exhale out. So I almost like visualize myself breathing hard out and breathing out the side ache and breathing out the cramp, like forcefully, like a, just like, I don't even want to do an example, but like until it's just gone and basically breathing out until you can't breathe out anymore and you keep moving you keep jogging or whatever you're doing but you just keep breathing out and visualize just getting rid of it yeah because i think it's a build-up in the bottom of your lungs of the stuff you're not getting out right i don't know if that's science don't quote me yeah I don't know that's science but i'm like even plus like even mentally like it works actually danny i gave you this advice on a jog one time did it work breathing out really hard no shit you're just chirping me okay so i also think okay so my guinea pig i didn't work on him well he's a weird guinea pig okay so the proper way to breathe downhill i also think you can practice just staying calmer because you want to be relaxed running downhill either and if you're breathing really short then you're going to be a little tight so keeping your core engaged two things 
Like, of course you want your core to be engaged, but you're not like flexing super hard, right? Like you're going to engage your pelvic floor muscles, like your inner core, and you can practice doing that at home while breathing deeply. Um, in fact, that's like an exercise you're supposed to do for your pelvic floor, I think. So you can practice staying engaged, like in a dead bug where you have to keep your belly button to spine type idea, try to keep your spine flush against the ground, do your dead bug, but practice having deep breaths and keeping your breathing normally during that, because it is kind of a skill to be able to separate the two. So you can practice doing that and then just try, even if it means running downhill a little bit slower until you get it, try being a bit relaxed because your muscles and everything will also get way too tight if you're like really gripping running downhill. And if you have a long, long descent, like that is going to end up hurting more things. Does that make sense, Tori? Yeah. As you're talking, I realize there's kind of two parts to this question, but that's kind of what I was going to say. That's a good point. Um, I think there's two parts. I think there's like, is there like, first part of the question, which I probably missed, is there a proper way to breathe downhill? I think the more relaxed you are, you're going to mitigate getting that side ache. So like, also breathing out consciously helps being relaxed is the science they're telling me. But yeah, so breathing, just like keeping your body, like you said, Hillary, like more chill and limber and like, so you can actually like move with the descent <clears throat> and then I think if you're tense, that's when you're going to get the side ache. Cause once you're tense, your, your diaphragm or whatever breathing muscle is going to feel it. And then it's probably just going to tense up and give you a side ache. So, um, I wouldn't even try to keep your core more engaged. I think your core is probably naturally going to be engaged as you do a technical downhill. So I think if you're getting side aches, you probably need to consciously think of relaxing, you know, your shoulders, your arms, um, throw your arms down, like wave them beside you. Um, yeah, kind of, because I think then you're going to be, you're probably tuned into the coordination of where you need to step and like move with the downhill better. So I'm going to, oh, oh, Dan Danny wants to, Danny's got really good downhill and he just put up his hand and he would like to contribute. Okay. Let's hear from Danny. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Like being really loose, kind of like yeah. floppy almost on the way down lets you just relax and you're not engaged. Like, yeah, you're obviously engaging your core and everything, but the more floppy you are, I feel it's easier just to like kind of go with the flow. Yeah, I think you're right because like Tara Berry says all the time, it's controlled falling. So if you're just kind of going with it, like you said, you're going to get a lot faster and it's going to feel a lot better than trying to fight it, right? Totally. And I think like if people want it, to be honest, like train is hiking on talus fields. You will improve your downhill. But do you downhill immensely. on the talus field? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Basically go to the goat, Danny's Root Marble Canyon, and then get down the freaking descent <laughs> is what he's saying. Yeah. Push outside of your comfort zone and it'll make it all better. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's three people that agree on that. So um, I'm going to say that we have majority rules on that one. Stay loose, stay comfortable, practice breathing comfortably and like relaxing your shoulders. If you notice your shoulders coming up to your ears, like think yoga style, like relax them yeah. enough and your, and your jaw. If you relax your shoulders and your jaw, your whole body will relax a little bit. I, that's a good point. I get, I actually notice myself on technical downhill, get really tense. I'm like, oh, this isn't helping anything. So I, I have to consciously like, and then Tara, speaking of Tara Perry, she actually says, look three meters ahead. I know this isn't about how to breathe on downhill, but she, I don't know how, where she's breathing when she's, yeah, she's phenomenal. But three meters ahead, she looks to where she's going. That's a lot of meters. 
it is, but I mean, by the time you get there, I mean, she's going faster than us, but by the time you get there and the, by the time that information has made it to your brain and where you step, like, I mean, the timing matches up. It's crazy. I just want to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors. I have been taking AG1 from Athletic Greens for quite a while now, and I absolutely love it. So I take it every single day because I am on the go. And I sort of feel cheesy saying that, but let's get real. If you have a kid, you get it. If your husband works shift work, you get it. If you're just a regular human being who likes to run ultras, obviously, or even any kind of event, you are putting as much into a day as you possibly can. And sometimes it's just really hard to get everything you need to recover, to feel energy, energized, to boost your energy, your immune system. And taking a bunch of pills and vitamins is just not ever what it's going to be. Actually, my husband even commented that AG1 is the most consistent thing that I have ever taken. And I do it first thing. I put it in my cold water. My son now says, can I have some cold water? And he wants some AG1 in there. So it is easy and it actually tastes good. And that's the key. Like I can't add a whole other system of hard things to do. And people always reach out and say, do you actually like this as much as you say you do? Yes, trust me, I do. And the more I hear it on other podcasts, including Huberman and people that I really trust, I get even more excited that I have found them. And I didn't know this, but AG1 has actually been a part of so many people's mornings since 2010. That's a long time to really perfect something. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today's a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP. That's athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP to check it out. Okay, let's do number four because it is more interesting and the other ones are sort of fun. So yeah. I, I like this. I think this is something that like you and I can relate to. So I want to shave off my time from a local mountain run that's 3.8 kilometers and 455 meters of elevation. Do you have any tips? I'm at 33 minutes and 24 seconds and I would love to get sub 33. Like, oh, you're close. We're going to get you there. The fastest female time on Strava is 30 minutes and 17 seconds. So her questions are, do I just keep running it constantly? Do I focus on speed walking up it or running but staying in a consistent speed? I just don't know. Second, well, we're gonna, for, just train to go faster instead of those things. We'll get into it. Second question, do you or Tori ever consider your heart rate and training in zone two when you run? Uh, we'll answer that partly after hint. No. Um, <laughs> okay, Tori, do you want to talk about your suggestions first? Yeah, so this is literally what I so our like local behind our house, our grind is Red Rock, and this is like similar to the stats on Red Rock. I was like, oh my god, is she in my town? Like, can we go segment chasing on Red Rock? Anyway, um, the only speed work I did all summer was this a segment that's very similar to this, and I did it once a week. Um, I didn't do any other speed work. Um, but back when I was doing structured speed work, um also so like keep it as so if you're, if this is, you know, one of your goals, keep it as your main speed work a week. Like don't do, don't add this in. If you're doing structured training, don't add this uphill workout around other speed works, like have max two speed works workouts a week and this be one of them. Um, so I would try it once a week. The bet, the benefits that when I did it every single week in the summer, once a week, I noticed, cause I, kind of try to time where I'm training with my period, my menstrual cycle. But I noticed like my fastest times, of course, would be when I was most energetic 
and powerful during my menstrual cycle, which was um, the week I started bleeding or like the week, right. Or like a few days after. So if that Wednesday workout happened to land on that, that's pretty much the entire four months or every time I've done it, it's my best time. Um, so there's that, if you're trying to get the, the overall, you're so close, you can totally do it. I know you can. Um, so what I would do is I would not look at the time while you're doing it. And I would just focus on effort. So every time you do this once a week, only focus on your effort. If you are training to add in the second part of the question, if you are training with your heart rate zones, then you've already got numbers in mind, then only look at, I, I, even when you do the segment, I would be focused and I wouldn't even look at the zones. I would only focus on effort. Um, couple things I would do. So I would start off by doing, yes, I would do intervals on it. Um, I know that Brooke Spence, that's got the grind record, <clears throat> does part of her workouts on Tuesdays at the grind would be like things like one minute on harder effort and then one minute easy, but you're still moving upwards. One minute hard, one minute easy. And it sounds really easy, but when you're doing that effort uphill, the recovery minutes are so hard. So you have to be really honest with yourself and make sure the recovery minutes are like as slow as and easy as you possibly can so that you can recover in that minute. And then I would work your way up to five times three minutes with a full recovery in between going uphill on that segment. Um, then I would work your way up like a few weeks later to do like a 20 minute threshold on it. Um for me, the mental game, the mental game about like a, a segment or like uh, beating a certain time I've done like on a route a bunch of times um, is that the more I look at my, I don't actually look at my watch at all. I only go by effort. So I feel like that just works for me mentally because then it's kind of fun. And then you kind of like you jog back home and then you're like, oh, what was it? What was it? And then I get to like eat a bunch of snacks and look at the time as it uploads, which I actually find really enjoyable. So while I'm doing the hard effort, I'm actually looking forward to that moment when I get home. Um, and then the other piece of advice is do a big warm up. Like obviously don't go into this segment, um, fucking full send. I would do like a 20 to 30 minute jog if you can around flat area before you head up on it. Um, yeah, I want to know where this is. Yeah, right back and tell us where it is. I'm going to second basically everything that Tori said. I mean, the warm up, yeah, for sure, because this is going to be an all out effort when you go for it. As far as the, the only thing I would add, because everything else I would say exactly the same. So I put intervals of four minute tempo with one minute easy, and she has working your way up to five times three minute tempo. Same idea, but different types of workouts. So Tori said full recovery. I would do a few where you only have a one minute recovery and your four minute is a tempo. It's not an all out and you're building up your lactate threshold, which is what you're going to need for that amount of time also. And it's just fun. Like you can also just do a, some totally random fartlets where you're like, I'm going to sprint to that tree and then I'm going to recover. And then I'm going to, for the same amount of time and do like even recoveries or something. And then do like a taper, take a couple days, match it to your cycle. Like Tori said, do a really, really good warm up. Make sure that you have like food and, and treat it as though a race. And then, yeah, just go after it. Don't worry about your watch. Maybe if you need to have, if you need to look, have a few places where you're like, okay, I need to be at this point by 10 minutes or whatever, so that you have kind of an idea that you're not going out too hard. And then the only other part is I can't quite tell if you're talking about strategy for actually doing it. So 
yeah, for the all out thing, you probably want to treat it like a race too, where you are taking advantage if there's any flat bits is the only difference, but pace a little bit and then aim to finish it strong because that's going to do better than being so tired you can't make it up the top, right? But yeah, give yourself like six weeks of fully training for it and then give it a go. And I think you will absolutely do it. Tori, do you have anything to for me I love that idea about like, yeah, making sure you don't go out too hard to be like, okay, I'm just going to look at the first part to make sure I'm doing that. And I, yeah, those were like really good points, Hillary, about like when you do it, like, yeah, treat it like a race, but, um, and I'll have the other times. Cause what's going to happen is when you do it once a week with like different structured, like we said, like different workout ideas over time, you're going to gradually increase it. Cause like, if you go one minute, easy, one minute harder effort, I get, I'm pretty sure that your overall time is going to improve just from that workout. And so that's actually really fun to see. And even if it doesn't, there's a million factors that are coming into it, right? Like, and I really, really believe in being and just going by effort because what I did kind of by accident over the summer with with a, with a similar effort was I just wouldn't put the pressure on myself. And then just one day after like all of these, and I would call them like tempos, as Hillary said, like tempo um, efforts, I would just in my brain call them like threshold, like I'm not going to go as hard as I can. And I would even say it out loud to like Danny, I was like, I'm just going to go whatever feels like a threshold with today, because like, whatever today means in my menstrual cycle, how I've slept, all those things. And so I would just treat it as a workout. And then over time, it just got faster. And then, and then I think one, like the day I actually just got the best, um, my best time, um, it actually just aligned with a bunch of things, but I actually haven't gone like full redlining on it yet, which will be kind of fun. Ooh, this summer. Maybe. Yeah. I've been trying to do the snow and it's like very slow and awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You can get your fastest downhill in the snow. Oh, it's still awkward. I've been slipping. It's been so icy. It's finally melted the ice around here and I've slipped. I don't even jog in spikes on the road because it's so icy. I slipped on spikes. So I actually just can't even go on spikes. Five, because I think we have time and then we'll get into favorite trails. Let's just address this one quickly. So if we have, oops, I already said that. So tips for post-race nausea and recovery. I haven't felt like myself all week and it's been really getting me down mentally and physically. Okay, so that's pretty open-ended because we A, don't know what the distance was, B, don't know quite when it was, um, and C, that's all we know. So I am just going to go ahead and say you are not eating enough and it doesn't, you don't want to eat because you're nauseous, but you have to force some food in your body. Yeah. I mean, Hillary, you had a pretty rough last big race nausea situation. If I can say that. Yeah, I did. And the only thing that made it better was when I was like forcing myself to eat. And then I ended up actually being sick and needed to go on like a soup thing. But if you have been checked out or you're like, and this is just, cause I've had this happen at the end of a 50 K where I've like felt so nauseous. I'm like, I need gravel, but like, I just needed a piece of toast and I just needed to get it in my body. So I think that's like the first thing. And then if that doesn't improve, then you go get to the doctor. Um, the mental part of that too, is that there is like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on um, about like the post-race blues or like the run, the post run low. My friend Emily Hanlon wrote a really good article about her post hard rock experience and how people just like aren't prepared for the lows that can come from like a big lifetime like oh I finally get to do the thing and then I did the thing and then it's like holy shit. And then there's also all those like all that research out about like Olympians and like how there's all those like lows after and so 
um, yeah, we know that like running and racing gives us a sense of like meaning and, and purpose a lot of the time. And then so if it's a really massive race, sometimes the mental part we're not prepared for, even though we've done so much preparation for the physical part. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's just a lot to it. And I mean, it's a lot on your body. So you just got to be kind of patient as well. But um, I think without knowing more, I mean, I guess just disclaimer, if it's, if it's physically not getting better, do just go make sure that you don't have any weird bugs because you also are depleting your immune system and you're totally fatigued. So the chances of picking something up are also high. We did not touch on zone two. Let's touch on that really quick. I forgot. Second question. Do you guys ever consider your heart rate and training in zone two when you run? Uh, no, I don't. My heart rate is weirdly slow. I would have to be a full out sprint to keep it in zone two. So obviously it doesn't make any sense. There's so many variables. If your chest strap doesn't fit properly, if you're just using a wristwatch, if it's cold out, you're getting weird numbers. And then the other problem is in a race, if you're relying on heart rate, um, it's going to be really challenging because you're going to be excited about the race. You're going to be nervous, like white coat syndrome. I think there's just too much. I think it can be helpful if you are maybe just getting into training and you're not sure what the easy pace should feel like. Or if you're doing the Maffetone method, if you are injury prone or maybe a little bit older. Um, so I think it can be a useful tool. If I notice that it's way off of what it normally is, then I might look into it more. But I'm more interested in the consistency of my resting heart rate and my heart rate variability than I am actually what it's doing when I'm training. Um, and like Tori said, I want it to be by feel. I want you to know if you go out for a run and your watch dies, if you are going too hard or not going hard enough, or if there's something wrong, like you should be able to just feel it. And I think that's what we have to ultimately get to strong opinion. Yeah. That's no, that's, I agree with everything you just said about like those reasons. If I was a gazillionaire and I was on a 10 year plan and I had just started, you know, my endurance hobby, um, I would probably do the testing for the heart rate zones. And then I would do that testing every four months. I don't have that kind of cash. Um, and so I think if you're going to do it, the zones, you have to do it right. Because right now, like the whatever minus your age, like all those like general zones and the general calculations without getting tested at regular intervals and paying for that proper testing, um, that's based on like male subjects. It's based on and then it doesn't take into account all those variabilities that happen. So going by feel. And then I also when I used to train by heart rates back in like Ironman days, um, I personally noticed that I was getting detached from how I felt. And so the more I, you know, practice endurance and practice training, the more like I like the, I like learning about my body. And I feel if I have too much data, I personally can't really get that much in tune with my body, even though if for some people find it a really helpful indicator. So I think it depends on your personality as well. Um, yeah, if I was going to go dimaphetone method for sure um but that's a huge that is a huge commitment um and that's a lot of patience and and i i i think it can be amazing for people and i i, I think maphetone's great um i think there's a lot of cool things about it um but even just like the yeah the threshold training um there's so many things that come into account. And like Hillary said, I'm really into knowing what your resting heart rate is. And if that changes over each day, because even yesterday I got, I was at the hospital getting my vitals checked for my iron infusion. And usually my resting heart rate's so low, but I'd been feeling really tired, like probably not even iron related the last few weeks. And then I was like, my resting heart rate wasn't that low. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm probably jogging 
unnecessarily right now and like I'm not recovering because like I'm sitting here in a chair and I know what my resting heart rate would normally be and it's not so like even though it wasn't tested in the morning like first thing in the morning I could just tell like okay that was a nice little indicator for me to telling me I'm not really recovering but everything you said I I agree with as well I think it's you just want to learn more about your body and be able to transfer it to other parts of your life like I think that's kind of my main thing but let's move on because we are almost out of time so we're going to walk our way back up to question number three. This is for local runners, so we'll try not to spend too much time on it, but it's kind of a fun question. What are your favorite trails? I'm running Squamish 50, and I want to discover new fun trails on my training runs this summer. The most vert, the best views, the most Pano Ridge without a crowd. <laughs> Hit me with your tips. Also, thanks for the podcast. It's my fave long run companion, which is the best. Gross, gross repeats. I mean, you can't beat that for getting just climbing in. I know there's other ones in Squamish as well. I don't know where you're located, but that's she, she doesn't want crowds. Get her off gross and chief. No, 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 no. Those are, that's a different question. Most like Pano oh. Ridge, but without the crowds. So if you just want vert, doesn't matter. Go, oh, do okay. grou- I'm not saying gross grind. I'm saying gross repeats. Go up Larson or McKay or something. You're not going to see anybody, but you're going to yeah. go straight up. But you want... My favorite trails is like the Garibaldi area. It's just so pretty. If you do like Opal Cone or Gargoyles or something, if you can go super early before anybody's up there. But if you want no crowds and you want the most epic views and you can like scroll back in my Instagram and find these, go to the Coquihalla. I mean, you yeah. got to have somebody with you because it's a little bit dangerous. But if you want like a full out amazing day, you don't want crowds and you put Cultus Lake 30. Tori, that I've, is- I've done it. There's <laughs> nobody there. There's no one there. <laughs> Katie and I went and we were like in a jungle of human beings. I didn't um, see one person. That's awesome. But the crowds, Coquihalla, uh, you can't beat it for sure. How's oh, Chuck and I trails, get crowds. Too. You're going to get crowds before Unnecessary Mountain. Um, Chuck and I trails, you're going to get crowds. But I'm, I'm on, this is late at night. I'm trying to think of ideas. Um, I mean, shoe there's laps. some, Danny says shoe laps traverse. We did this really cool. If you want no crowds and you want really remote, there's this really cool shoe laps traverse we did this summer. Um, Similar, like, yeah, it's a single track. It's a point to point. It's out um, sort of near. It's Yalakum to Yalakum. It traverses from Yalakum Valley to pretty much Ty- like basically Tyax. Yeah. Anyway, there's a bunch of. Oh, this is like a big question, but I feel like I need to look in favorite trails. Like you can also go busy? up. You can you can also go up unnecessary mountain um, via unnecessary mountain. Yeah, it's yeah. Fun. It's just hard to find. Is is this person North Shore? Must be. Well, I don't know. But all these places are easy enough to get to if you're going on a full-out adventure. Needles? Maybe she should be needles, not... Oh, my good God, Danny! You are ruining the podcast. <laughs> what is he it's doing? Because we live in a little trailer and... <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have gone to the spare room. He's just, you know, morning. He's just doing morning. It, it sounds like he's building a table. <laughs> I did build the table tournament. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the for the chainsaw noise. <laughs> the chainsaw noise. Can you imagine like our child? There's gonna be like this loud toddler running around. Mm-hmm. You yeah, would realize we're so loud. Like we're so loud. Our kids are insane. Anyway. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm not. I'm not serving this question very well. Um, I feel like I have. Anyway, you know what? You um, might have to DM us separately and we will try and um, come up with some ideas for you. 
but those are good ideas. Slide into my DMs. Slide into my DMs. Okay. Last question. Do you have time for this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What were your favorite podcast moments so far? What ones come to mind for you? Oh, wait, though, this is your, your, your ideas, Hillary. We're so funny. Um, this one getting recognized. Oh, you just, you just inserted the ha ha ha, didn't you? Yeah, I just, I didn't have anything to contribute. I just started singing ha ha ha. Hillary's notes are so funny. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Do you want me to read these out while you think of ideas? Yeah. Oh, I have, I have, I have one idea that comes to mind, but yeah, read them out. Um, okay. So the Strava conversation, no, when I categorize things as like easy, (laughs) soft, medium or something, and you just lost it. Okay. So this is just super weird. And I think I might've said this before. One of my favorite things that happens is if I, to edit our podcast, I like edit it quickly. And then I listen to it as though I'm a listener. So I can pick out parts where I'm like, Oh, that didn't make sense. Or somebody's making a table in the background. I'll take that noise out. And for you and I, when we're talking, you'll say something and I will make the same joke again out loud. And then I'll hear myself have already made it to you. And it makes me laugh so hard. And usually they're not funny, but I just feel good that like I'm consistent with where my mind goes for jokes. And then when somebody wrote a review that like they're on the side of the street laughing, people are looking at them. I'm like, yes, that happens to me when I'm double joking myself. So basically Um, like you'll be listening to us talk, you'll be making the joke in your head and then you've already said it when you record it. Yeah. Or I'll like literally say it out loud. I'll have the same comeback to whatever you said. And then I will have already said that. And usually I'm editing it like two weeks after. So I don't remember. It's just super funny. It happens all the time. That's so funny. Now, not only is he making a table in the background, he just spilled ice cubes on the floor. <laughs> Who uses ice cubes in the morning? What is going on? <laughs> I appreciate your tood. He doesn't appreciate our tood. <laughs> uh, okay, and this one also made Tori laugh, but this has happened multiple times where I'll be at a big running event, and usually it's like a road running event, which makes me laugh because it has nothing to do with us. Um, and people will recognize me and they'll just yell something about like, oh, is Tori dating something? And sometimes I'm with Katie and we just look around and find like, who's inquiring about Tori's love life and Tori's <laughs> never there. My favorite was when you got that message from someone a few weeks ago and they were like, oh yeah, like I hurt my, I broke my leg and like, you know, didn't really listen to running things and wasn't listening to the podcast. And then I'm like healing and I turn it back on and I was like, what? Tori's living with a dude in Lillooet? It's like, like, no one cares about writing. It's just like, wait, what is happening? Yeah. The last two years, according to the timeline of Tori's love life is literally how people live um, with this podcast. Um, okay. The last one I'll say, well, one cheesy one is that I've stayed friends with a lot of guests, which is awesome. But I, I interviewed my parents one year and they were out walking and somebody stopped them on the streets and was like, are you guys like this, the Spires parents that walk a lot? Like I listened to your daughter's podcast and my mom came home and was like, I got recognized on the street. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty funny. How about you? Any favorite moments come up? I think you said them all. Oh, the, the, the thing I was thinking about was the when you're... <laughs> the patreon thing <laughs> when you had like the is it called patreon uh yeah okay the patreon content and we'd be out for a jog and you'd just be like filming me and i didn't even know and then you'd just be like this is going on patreon for like subscribers and i was like what does that mean oh just just secret 
secret Tory films. Yeah, I tried to keep from you as much of what that was, so it would be natural. But anyways. Yo, no, it was. And then I realized, like, oh, my God, it's literally, like, shit Tori says on Patreon. And I was like, okay, this is, like, yeah, anyway. I can't believe it's been 200 episodes. Remember there was an episode where I, like, drove to Squamish with a newborn baby and we recorded it in person. Oh, like, so much time has passed. It's fucking crazy. And Will made, like, a soundproof room. That yeah, because cool. the, the guy kept mowing the lawn. And he's like, I'll watch your baby. And I was like, I feel uncomfortable with this. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was very, very impressive. Like That is definitely a highlight in my mind is you driving to Squamish with the newborn. I was like, wow, she's such a boss. Um, <laughs> well, I was like, I need to get the fuck out of my house. <sighs> okay, I'm wondering if there's any last things we should discuss here other than, um, you know, do you have a fetus in you? No, I don't have a fetus in me, but I know everyone wants to know my menstrual cycle right now. And I just finished my period like yesterday. So, um, no fetus in my body. Okay, well, next trail tips, we can uh, discuss we, your fetus. We can talk about procreation. Yeah. We can talk about procreation. Yeah, I did get some ovulation strips, though. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm kidding. It's absolutely the best thing in the entire world, but it will also make you want to rip your eyes out. So, I mean, it's rewarding. You get to feel all of the feels. All the of good, them. The good thing is I don't really have a life, so, like, it's okay. True. True. Just kidding. You do have a life. My life There's is like a line in this office. song that I related to so much and I always share it with new moms and I'm sure they don't listen to it, but it was like something about like looking at the mountains and having all your friends like out there doing adventures and you're just like holding a baby while it's sleeping. And I'm like, yeah, nailed it on the head. What song is this? I'll send it to you. Um, Who's in I'll continue to send it. It's called The Mother by Brandy Carlisle. And it's just so accurate. Um, yeah. But it's true. It's like, yeah. it's such a changing thing. And you have to like mourn your old freedom. But it also is the best thing ever. Um, so if you want to see a three-year-old that skis like a freaking boss, check out my Instagram at Hillsport55. Because the guy is crushing it. Like he is turning. He's not just skiing straight down. He's legitimately turning. It's amazing. End of, end yeah, of, end of breaking. it really makes, yeah, I I know a couple adults that tried to learn when they're adults skiing and that'd be really hard. <laughs> yes, Linda Spartan Robbins is learning how to ski right now and it's my favorite. She sends me her, her videos. Oh my gosh, that would be really, really hard. Yeah. But she's so athletic, she's going to like figure it out. But it's also awesome being like, man, that's scary. Because when you fall when you're an adult, when you're learning, it's like way different. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for people that learn as adults because then you see, like, it's so, there's so much muscle memory involved if you learn, yeah, learning as a child. Okay, so I'll link to both of that in the show notes. I have space for two more people for summer coaching if anybody is interested. Um, and you can just DM me on Instagram and I'll get your email address and we'll go from there. Uh, Tori, if our listeners want to find more of you, where can they do that? Slide into my DMs at Tosho. T-O underscore S-C-H-O. Okay, awesome. Thank you. That was a really fun one. And thank you for everybody for your questions. That was like, we did that so fast and I love it. It was amazing. So Yeah, those questions um, were awesome. They were good. Keep them up with the amazing questions and we'll do more trail tips. That's something we need to do for 2023. What was that? I just said we need to do more trail tips, but I mumbled it like a boss. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay, bye.